Winter has arrived, in Iowa at least, so it's time to lean into the cozy. Uh, I'd also argue it's a good time to declutter and dance. At least, that's what I've been doing a lot of lately. Eliminating excess stuff feels good, especially during the holiday season when you can donate and give back. And on that note, many Philmont staff and participants often talk about what it means to be able to carry everything you need on your back. Reminds me of a quote, carry as little as possible, but choose that little with care. Perhaps for Wranglers and Cavalcade, the difference between what you need and what you want is what you can put on a horse. I stole that quote from my new favorite Western series called The English. So check that out if it's your cup of tea. I digress. Welcome back, folks. Today, Robert Clemmer joins the show. There's a lot of laughter and good energy in our discussion focusing on Philmont's Order of the Arrow Trail Crew Trek, or OATC. Clemmer worked as an OATC foreman, coordinator, and an associate director of conservation overseeing the conservationists. He discusses the useful and cheerful service goals of OATC and the philosophical consideration of scouting as a movement compared to scouting as an organization. Returning in 2021 as a volunteer vacation foreman, Clemmer was pleasantly surprised by the continued positive influence and impact that Philmont imparted. So much so that in 2022, Clemmer volunteered his time to be part of the first ever Philmont Trail Series Committee and the race itself, which took place this past August. Throughout the OATC program, it is tradition for foremen to impart wisdom via quotes at different special moments of the trek. For instance, on top of a peak, after a solo, or perhaps hiking a trail built by past OATC crews. Here are some of Clemmer's favorites that he wanted to share. A society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they'll never sit in. The woods are lovely, dark, and deep, but I've promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. Lastly, I want to thank Clemmer for submitting an accordion version of Silver on the Sage podcast theme song, and for more melodious enjoyment, check out Clemmer's group, the Gypsy Hill Ramblers. All right, folks. Let's do this thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for this. Um, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> we should just banter the whole time <laughs> this is just gonna be bantering with clemmer and right, with some philmont stories no yeah. i'm good to go all right everyone i'm here tonight with the robert clemmer i'm just gonna call you clemmer because that's what i know you as <laughs> sweet <laughs> let's dive in let's all point right. our skis downhill and go we're going down so shout out to troop 30 in stanton virginia uh, grew up. I grew up in Pack Thirty. Was a little dweeby Cub Scout and crossed over, and I was part of Troop Thirty, and I got my Eagle Scout there. And um, a big thing that got me in, 
involved in staying in scouts was working at the summer camp. So shout out to Camp Shenandoah in Swope, Virginia. I was a scout craft director there for a couple of years and a bunch of buddies. We all worked there. It's like Lord of the Flies out in the woods. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and then I got involved in the Order of the Arrow. Shout out to Shenandoah Lodge 258. Um, and doing Order of the Arrow, I became involved in the lodge, being like a lodge officer. Um, eventually, I politicked my way into being a section officer, which is like, you have the lodges, but then all of the lodges in Virginia is a section. Ooh. And then there are section chiefs and vice chiefs. And I was a section vice chief for like two years. Nice. And then there was a deal with the section chiefs that if you wanted to go to one of these OA High Adventure programs, like either Philmont or Northern Tier or Seabase, um, they also got them at the summit, but that wasn't around when I was a scout. Um, there were opportunities to do that. And since you were a section officer or section chief, you got to go for free. Ooh. Nice. But I wasn't a section chief. I was a section vice chief. Oh. But my section chief was he wasn't able to go. So I was like, hey, if he can't go, can I go? <laughs> so I got the scholarship to go and I got some section scholarship money to go. And I had never been to Philmont before. I really wow. wanted to go. Never went. I like always heard about it. It was like this big myth. Amongst our troop, like we never went. We always like camped around, backpacked in Virginia, West Virginia doing trips. But like, ne we did a Gettysburg trip, but never thought about doing film on it. It was like we heard about it. We knew a guy that did it. It was this myth. It was like <laughs> in the desert or something in Arizona, maybe. It was, we had no idea. But like, I wanted to go. I got like hopped on board, got flew out there. Um, and like I got into this trail crew program and man, I really didn't know what to expect. Like I knew it was going to be like building trail for a week. And then after that, you could do your own program for a week. But it was an adventure of like coming into camp because like you didn't know anybody else in your crew. You were just like lost boy together. And then for a week, we were building trail in Chandler Canyon. And then the next week we were backpacking all around the South Country I was like, this is awesome. And luckily I was, you know, a higher functioning member of the crew. And, and luckily I got like an evaluation that was like, Hey, you should come work here. And after working at the summer camp for a couple other years, I was like, you know, why don't I just go pro and work yes. for the high adventure base. <laughs> and I became a trail crew foreman in 2009, 2010. And then in 2011, I was the trail crew coordinator. So it was more of like an office job. And then in 2012, I became like the associate director of conservation for like conservationists. And that was like most fun. Um, and then it was like big, long break. And <laughs> I'm going to pitch the reunion here. Like, I know you keep talking about going to the reunion. You should go to reunion because like, yeah, I think that was just as influential and life changing as that first experience wow. of like yeah. being being like little dweeby crew person um out in the middle of Philmont. That was 2007 when you went out to Philmont for the first time ever on that OATC trek. How old were you? I was 20 because in the OA you're technically a youth even though you're 21. Do you remember um your foreman? Yeah, my foreman. Um so my foreman were KJ, KJ Cassidy and Nick Davis. 
Yeah, nice. I remember them. And then nice. Spencer Powell and Jeff Landau were like the sister crew foreman. <laughs> so we, like, we were hanging out with them for a week. Um, and then the sister crew, they like split off for their week. But it was cool how they organized it because like we there were times where our, we intersected with our sister crew throughout the, the track. So we we're like, oh, it's those guys. It'd be sweet to see them. And then there were a couple of nights like we stayed, both the crew stayed the night at uh, Crater Lake. So I remember like, we were sitting with our sister crew and we, we were making fun of the other guys and the Crater Lake guys. It was a big deal when the Crater boys like got in on this inside joke for uh-huh, us uh-huh. made fun of this Georgia guy. <laughs> um, 2007 was actually my first summer on staff. So I was at Bobian that summer. We hiked through there. Um, we spent our, we did our solo event there in Bobian. Okay. Okay. Like in the woods, um, way down in the meadow. And then our foreman were hanging out with you all in the cabin. (laughs) Yeah, I do recall, I believe, uh, parts of that. It's nice because when I get to talk to people from like my era on the podcast, I like my memory comes back (laughs) and I remember (laughs) small details that have since otherwise left my brain since having kids. Um, Okay. I think most listeners know at least a little bit about what OATC is, about what OA is, Order of the Arrow. But since you went on to work in OATC positions at Philmont for so many years, so many summers, do you want to give like your take on what OA is and how Philmont like puts it into action through the OATC trail crew? Yeah. So shout out to the legend Marty Cheddar. He was a ranger way back in the 90s. And I'm sure there were people who know the the actual history and the hoo-ha of how it happened. But Marty Cheddar and a couple other fellows put this program together in the, the early 90s. And the idea was that they wanted a, a service a service organization like helping out at Philmont. Um, the idea that Wait, Phillips, you know, he gave this land to the scouts, that the idea that we'd be good stewards of it, um, the idea that the Order of the Arrow is this brotherhood of cheerful service. It just like kind of all fits in that there would be some role for the Order of the Arrow to provide some sort of service to Philmont. Um, and so I guess it currently and it has been the model of like giving them a really, really rough section of trail to build. (laughs) Um, And so, but, you know, the idea was that if you provide the service or, you know, you come out and and do some service for Philmont, um, you know, this humble service, the selfless service, then, you know, you get to kind of spend a week doing things that, you know, an ordinary crew wouldn't typically be able to do. Um, And so our Trek week, a lot of the things that, you know, a normal crew wouldn't do that, like really made me want to come out and like work on staff. Um, You know, we remember like doing this mind tour, like late, like this late night mind tour. um, And that was um, like how much fun that was or like when you get to sleep on a porch <laughs> and you don't have to set up your tent or yeah. when you can like you can uh, we had these like night under the stars where you would like the the foreman and I would have to do this too as a foreman but you kind of like set this scene for your participants of like hey we're gonna check out the skies it's awesome nuts to being in a tent we're just gonna like be nice under the stars and um 
man, like meteor showers or just being just kids from cities. They'd just be so mind blown from, from being out there. So it was like this phenomenal experience and it, it was like such a, it's, seem like such a good deal it, it is a good deal um and i think a lot of the work that's done um, not even during the the work week so the work week they're building trail and difficult section but even when we were backpacking through to other camps um we wanted to be service oriented and so one of the things what kind of we were instructed when we were participants um and then something when we were foreman we tried to pass on was the idea of like the crew leader going up to the uh you know whoever is the the staff cabin um instead of being like oh hey where's your campsite when do we eat when's the program they asked like hey is there anything that we can help you with and this a lot of times staff would be blown away or they would know that an OA crew was coming and so they would have like a little project of like stacking firework wood or building a rock wall or something or i don't know other random projects it was this idea that that we were there to you know we got a kick out of of being useful of serving of i don't know it's a lot of these intangible philosophical like we we spend a lot of times like during the work week discussing the idea of like what is service what is brotherhood why are we here um and you get into these really, really deep philosophical conversations. And a lot of that would happen during lunchtime. But sometimes that conversation would continue on while we were working, while we were lifting rocks or while we were digging out in this canyon. And so you'd have like a lot of really deep talks about meaning of these programs. Shout out to Robert Fudge. He's spent a lot of time with Philmont Conservation and with the OA program at Philmont. Um, but I remember one of the conversations we had, and I still bring this conversation up when I'm talking with other scouters today, is the idea of scouting as a movement versus scouting as an organization. And then when you kind of chew on that a little bit, then then you can, you know, it it, it devolves and evolves into this really deep conversation about like, hey, what are we doing here? Oh, I like that. I'm going to chew on that for a little bit. I like that. Um, does OATC or maybe the conservation department in general have any like really specific fun traditions or legacies <laughs> without giving too much away? I don't you know if it's like Ray Auto where it's like secret, but. Oh, man. You know, there's trail crew stuff. And this is OA stuff, too. All that literature says like safeguard this pamphlet. <laughs> but. And I don't know if if you know certain things get, or continue on before. There was like a time in the '90s where the cons department had a bunch of like skull and bone stuff on their gear, but I'm not supposed to talk about that. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> but and then when Trail Crew, our when we were doing it, we always joked about goat's blood. Like, ooh, it's secret. Ooh, goat's blood. Ooh, we can't talk about our secrets. <laughs> We always had the song Copperhead Road playing all the time. So every time I hear that Steve Earle song, Copperhead Road, I think yes. like dumb trail crew guys. Um, <laughs> but I've heard this on the podcast, like cons training, conservation training is like a <laughs> rite of passage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I never went because I was never in cons, but it does sound like all cons, right? Is that what it's, it's called? Hey, all cons. It <laughs> burns the fat off your soul. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
it's a lot of work and it's a lot of being like, you know, when they talk about being woken up by chainsaws at way early in the morning. And then when you get to, then you get to become the guy who wakes up people with a chainsaw and that is an awful job. <laughs> that guy has to wake up way early. <laughs> and then you're just walking around with this chainsaw and everybody's like, don't do it. Don't do it. And then you just feel like a jerk. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And it's like one of the few, it's like the only time that everybody in the conservation department is there together because there's like, we don't do Phil Fiesta. There weren't really any Phil Fiestas or anything. Maybe if they were, I wasn't invited. But um, no, everybody was like scattered to the winds, scattered. And so like concerting was the only time everybody was there. So it was like this giant work party. It was so much fun. Talking about work and partying and work hard, play hard. Um, you mentioned some of the the trails, some of the projects that the OATC participants had to do were kind of strenuous. Do you remember specifics or any fun story to interject here working as a foreman? Oh, man. So we were in Trail Canyon and there was like there were no trees in Trail Canyon. There were no trees. <laughs> there was a lot of scrub oak. Um, so it was like once you got used to like working in on Mars, um, <laughs> there was there were so many cool things about it though. Like you could hear mountain lions like yelling in the distance. A lot of horses from Poneal, like in the evenings would come down and graze and they would hike the trail that we were building. Like sometimes it'd really tear it up and mess it up. But other times it'd be so cool to see like a kajillion horses, like walking up to the mountain. You're like, where are they going? And then the stars out there were amazing. Um, during the reunion, I, I cruised back out to Trail Canyon real quick to check it out. But like the work was crazy tough. And I can definitely understand why the conservation department didn't want to send an IST crew there. It was crazy too, because all our foremen, um, when I started working on that trail, they were working on the Chandler Canyon side of it, which is like Dean Cow side of it. Um, I remember as a participant that there were trees. And we did a hike down to Dean Cow and like we rock climbed at Dean Cow and that was really cool. Um, and I cut myself hardcore um, belaying down like the rope like grazed me. And I like and then wearing the shoulder, the backpacking strap like all yeah. week, like made it really worse. And I was like, I'm going to be a tough little kid. But <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a I remember a bear too. This was when I was a participant, a bear coming into our campsite, and that was a big deal. I remember forming be like, there's a bear, everybody start making noise. And I was like in my tent, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna go back to sleep. I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> but um on the tra- trail canyon side, you were close to the road, um, and it was like burn area. So um in college, I was like a history major, I was like classical studies, trying to go to law school. I didn't care about environmental science at all. And like just being out there, you just absorb so much environmental science. And I learned a lot about fires that summer. Um, and so just being out there, it was, it was nuts. Um, but a lot of my foremen, they had all worked on Copper Park. They had done the Copper Park trail from Copper Park, zigzag and switchbacking all the way up to this parking lot area and then up and over to Baldy. Yeah. So they taught, it was completely different work because they were, they were like working with Aspen trees. It was right. super cold. 
Um, they talked about snowball fights and it was a kajillion degrees and super sunny and horny toads <laughs> and gopher snakes where I was at, where we were doing our trail crew experience. Yeah. Mars, right? Like living on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I like, though, that it like you started to consider environmental science more and is that what you do today? What do you do today? I have done a slew of conservation jobs, and I feel like Philmont's been a direct result of that. But right now, I'm a, a, the farm educator, farm manager at Project Grows, which is like a nonprofit farm um, okay. outside of Manton. Um, Sweet. But I've been like an environmental educator um, for this environmental educator center down in Georgia. Um, I was a stewardship um, stewardship crew leader for a conservancy in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So you took so it with you. I yeah. took it with me. In fact, I did the dog mushing thing too. And Christine Salisbury, she is like responsible for that. <laughs> yeah. I, like, dog mushed in Alaska. Like shout out to Christine. You mentioned that in 2012, the when you were the associate director of cons of cons is <laughs> conservationist. Oh yeah, that's a handful. The conservationist, yeah. Thank you. Um, that was uh, one of your favorite summers. Is that right? And why? I loved that job. So the crew I had, well, so the Order of the Arrow, being a trail crew foreman and then a trail crew coordinator, you're still in this, it's a very insular program. Um, you don't really have very much exposure to a lot of the other folks around. Um, there's a little bit of interaction with some backcountry staff when you're hiking crews through, but um, you're you're like doing the trail crew program. And then on days off, you're just like too tired to do anything else. But as an ADC, when I was a conservationist, I had either like six or seven different work sites that I was kind of responsible for. But I had this pool of like 20 to 25 folks to pull from and like organize and kind of make make that summer work for this, like, because there were like 20,000 kids coming through and they had to do their three hours of cons work. And it could either be like an incredible waste of time for everybody, or it could be this super productive, you know, program. And I, I like to think that it was productive. Um, a lot of that job too, was just like hiking out to go visit them. So there'd be like, a couple days where I'd be in the office, do 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 on a computer, sending gear out, reading evals. There'd be some crews coming in because they missed their conservation. So I'd be working with them. Um, but then to be like, oh, I got to hike to Apache Spring for a couple of days and check out their project. So do do do. I'd go hike by myself. Nice. And I got to like hike all the Philmont trails by myself. Usually I would like leave after lunch because like I wanted to like eat on a full meal, like have, you know, be full. So then I'd leave and I'd hit the trailhead about like one o'clock or two o'clock. And it was like a perfect time because all the other crews, all the crews have like, they've done their hikes for the day. They've already hiked. So nobody's on the trails. Uh, yeah. And you're just like, listen to a podcast, you listen to a song, you're just like, do, 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 do. And you're hiking from Notch to Fish Camp by yourself. It's a beautiful day. I remember like going to Apache Springs one time. And I was like, oh, it's getting dark, but I can make it. And I was going to get some out of swap box and some staff member opened the door. It's like, uh, we just made dinner. You want to come in and eat? And I'm like, sure. And so I had <laughs> dinner and they were like, hey, you want to just stay the night here? I'm like, all right. And I slept on that couch and fish camp. It was creepy. But like that was kind of the <laughs> MO towards 
towards like visiting all the sites. We had uh, an is site out at Old Camp, um, and they were working on a trail in Cook Canyon. Um, but they were really close with the folks at Indian Ridings. So like I'd go up to Indian Ridings and then like base camp out of there for a little bit. And then I'd go up to old camp and hang out with them and camp out with them for a couple of days. Or I had some folks at Harlan, so I get to hang out there. Oh, I loved it. Um, I was not a fan of being part of like gather and scatter because <laughs> like I'm very much of the cons, the conservation school of driving where like you keep it in first or second gear and like you got to keep up with the convoy that's like flying down the road. There's lots of different cultures of driving in the backcountry. <laughs> take care of your vehicle. I want to do that job. That sounds amazing. Everything you just described sounds incredible, especially that it was also, you know, like you said, very intentional, fulfilling work to set up these different sites to be productive for both the participants and the staff members that summer. Do you remember like what some of the work the scouts were doing? Was it like I don't know if they called it this, but, you know, the phrase like timber stand improvement is very used now. But <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what, what were they, some of the sites, what were so some of the, some yeah. of them were, most of them were trail building projects. There was a trail, I remember a trail building project at Baldy Town. I remember a trail building project at Patchy Spring and an old camp and at Cedo. Um Cedo, I remember that being challenging because there are a kajillion crews there. Um, and I remember the is there. There would be times where they would be swamped with like 60 or 70 campers at a time. Whoa. And I was like, oh, man, feel bad for not helping them out. There was a trail building project at Harlan. Um, what else? There was a timber stand or they were doing some trail stuff and campsite maintenance at Bobien, but there was also they were doing like timber stand improvement stuff at Bobien. Yeah, that was a big one. And then they were doing stuff at Whiteman Vega, um, but I wasn't really attached to that project, but I was sure. kind of attached to that project. I don't really know. But um, there was something going on at Whiteman Vega. I was an ADC. I didn't say I was a good ADC. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I worked at Bobion for two summers and I just remember people cutting, <laughs> cutting down trees and piling logs forever. So that's why I'm like, I wonder what they did at other sites, because that was my only real experience with conservationists. And it was a good experience. I just remember lots of, the one of big, my, uh, big logs into smaller logs. Right. <laughs> and one of my first years on staff, I always thought it was kind of trail building or timber sand. Um, one of my first years on staff, uh, trail crew foreman the trail crew program ended earlier that year because there was a national order of the arrow conference going on a NOAC. It's like an OA jamboree. So they ended it sooner, but our film on contracts, you know, were till the middle of August. So I got to be a conservationist for a couple of weeks at Indian writings. And that's um, at the end of 2009. And I discovered like discovered Indian writings. And that was like this kind of Mars Canyon place. And I fell in love with that place and the project there was they were trying to restore the floodplain. They had these big gullies, these big washes that came through. And so there were different projects of taking timbers and building these different check dams and riprap and these cool waterfall log structures to just wow. kind of elevate, to catch sediment and elevate the floodplain so that way the water could escape, flood out onto the plain and not just crazy erode. Um, I remember Seth Mangini coming out and just like throwing grass seed out all over the place. Um, and I remember coming back for the reunion and he was saying like, Hey, you should check that place out. Cause like, it's completely 
I mean, I wasn't the only one doing work on this. So there was, there was a big project. Um, but like all of that has, according to him is rehabbed up. Um, and so like nice. I'm super interested in checking that out, but yeah, there it's mainly trail building. Yeah. A lot of different state improvement stuff. Um, but it's cool sometimes that sometimes is get to do rando cool yeah. conservation projects. Conservation department is one department that I like wish I had worked in. So maybe I'll come back someday or in a second life or something or, um, <laughs> or segue. Um, I could just go do volunteer vacation, which yeah. You, yeah, you were the foreman for volunteer vacation in 2021. So I have talked to, uh, people on the show that have been participants of volunteer vacation, but no one who has been um, in charge of the work. So what's it like on that side? All right. So there I was at the reunion, being a reunion, be like, oh, I'm alone. I don't have to do anything. And then Crockett, he's like in charge of conservation. And he's like, hey, Rock Clemmer, you want to be a volunteer vacation foreman? I'm like, dude, I just took vacation time to get out of here. I can't take out more vacation time. They had a volu- summer volunteer vacation um, right before the PSA reunion that year in 2021. And I saw a lot of dudes that I knew and worked with. Um, Jay Minton, Gerald Short. He was one of my is. Jerry, um, Seth Eldridge. Um, oh, man, I'm, I feel bad if I don't see people's names. But shout out to all these people. But they were like, they were like, oh yeah, we were foreman for that. We like helped, you know, lead the projects and lead the work. And it was really chill and you should do it. And I was like, I don't know. And then a couple months later, my old foreman partner from 2009, shout out to TJ Gwynn, the storm and Mormon foreman. He called me up and I saw him at the reunion. He's like, Hey Robert, I'm going to be, I'm going to help crock it out of this volunteer vacation. You want to, I'm like, all right, I guess I'll do it. And I have a little (laughs) vacation time. And so TJ did this. It was like, you know, we were, the idea was that you had the participants, Phil Weingartner and friends, and (laughs) they were going, you know, they're building trail and stuff, but they need like a Philmont liaison to, you know, do Philmont stuff. If somebody like breaks their leg, it's not going to be like Phil Weingartner. He doesn't want to do that. (laughs) He was like a Philmont person. Like they, you know, there's a, there's a person with a green shirt and a radio and a first aid kit, someone who's responsible for the food. And that was me and TJ. Um, and that was like, that was, it felt so much like being a foreman, but so much better because like all your participants are like chill, retired people <laughs> and not 18 year old kids who are questioning whether or not they want to be out there. <laughs> Fair it was enough. so cool. And the yeah. project, we were at Whistlepunk. Um, we were at Whistlepunk. That was all about that. That was a cool site. We hiked every day up to Cedo Peak. And that was really reaffirming for me. In 2010, Tim Culver and I, we were forming partners for a little bit. And we had a trek where the shtick was that we were going to bag as many peaks on Philmont. Not only the ones on the map, but we were going to bushwhack all these other peaks that were over. And so we had like a day of like bushwhacking up to Cedo Peak and then bushwhacking down to Cypher's Mine. And we, you know, we got to the top of Cedo Peak and we took pictures there and we got on Cypher's Mine. But then I've always questioned, like, did we really hit Cedo Peak? And, you know, then we hiked up there for volunteer vacation and putting the post in. And I was like, oh, we did it. We did it. We could read a map. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, what else was I going to say about volunteer vacation? So It's great. You should do it. Everybody should do it. And you don't even have to be like film on, former Philmont staff to do it. You just want to have to be wanting to chill and hang out there. It's not only just Philmont staff. Like It was cool talking to Phil Weingartner and Dave Lambo. I want to say Dave Rambo. Oh, my gosh. And then there was this guy, Glenn. <laughs> And but when you hear stories of folks who were part of the Kit Carson program in the seventies, yeah, or when they were, we told our kids we were backpacking with Dutch ovens, or when they're making fires all the time, and so they didn't have to worry about forest fires, or just like, I don't know, you hear stories about the nineties or the early two thousands, or there was this one guy Bruce, and he was just a scoutmaster, and he just took his crew out here all the time, and this was just a way to get away from everybody for like like a week and it was like the cheapest option to get away for like a regular person yeah and i was like way to go bruce yeah Yeah. most of the folks too in the crew were like in their 70s wow and so that and like they were swinging a sledgehammer yeah and they were hiking tools up and you know i've had to like go for up like the heavier stuff and I just kept thinking to myself like I want to be like that when I get to be that age like yeah. goals goals <laughs> yeah so are you going to do it again I want to do it again yeah um my girlfriend and I she's been out there a couple times now um but she wants a like a backcountry experience and so we're thinking that like a back, uh, volunteer vacation next year would be yeah. the way to do it yeah. unfortunately not unfortunately but it's like in the Webster Park area. And so like we were building trail from the top of Cedo Peak and we were starting out on the whistle punk side. So it's all shady. It's cold. It's not cold. It's shady. Um, but now you're starting and you're building trail up from Webster Park. And so it's like burn area. So it'll be like that Mars area, this like building trail on Mars, but it'll be in the fall. So that'll be cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it's building trail on Mars isn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Yeah. That's when you get to see like, like horned toads. That's a big deal. Gopher snakes, rattlesnakes, um, all of those things. And I remember like Trail Canyon, I say it's Mars, but like I remember bears like running through there all the time and the horses, like there was so much life there. Um, and it's just different. It's not like, it's not like Apache spring where it's all shady and nice, or yeah. it's not like Cypher's mine where it's like cold and dark or French Henry's. So it's, it's different. I always appreciate that about the ranch, how it is so diverse. And even if it is, you know, due to a, a burn scar or something, you know, mother nature, um, it is, it is a very diverse landscape. And so you do get to kind of appreciate and challenge yourself in those different conditions. Speaking of challenges, would you say like you had any major challenges at Philmont in your time there? I mean, it's really easy to like, I think the some of the biggest challenges were always just like, you know, the a lot of working with people is like the greatest thing. And it's like, man, I really miss these people a lot. But there are a lot of times where you butt heads. Um, there are a lot of times where you butt heads and you just got to like work through it. Those would be those would be kind of the challenging things if like, you know, if like it didn't work out with a crew leader or if it didn't work out with an is or um, or if I, you know, messed up and um, didn't do something and then just kind of like and just working through that. But, you know, everybody's there for the same reasons or hopefully there for the same reasons and we're all on the same team. And so, um, you know, you work through it because you want to provide 
what is it like wilderness opportunities the last lifetime or whatever you got it yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah i feel like that's also kind of um like good practice for life because you can't escape that one right like we're always working with other people and when you're forced to like live on top of each other all the time yeah. stuff's gonna get real <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i appreciate that um was there anyone that like you really looked up to or just a shout out to someone who like taught you some cool skills well so robert fudge for being like the sensei of like the sensei like one of the senseis or jedi masters oh, i'll do it like star wars of like who are the jedi masters okay let's do this. like um <laughs> gene schnell is like he was like this he always looked out he looked out for the i guess he looked out for everybody but he'd be in the conservation office and he would always like he he had a, a deal with uh, the the trail crew program, a pretty close relationship with them, just kind of acting as a spiritual advisor. One of the big deals. Uh, oh, my God. I hope I don't tear up telling this story. But like one of the things he would always do when your new crews, like everybody would come in, all your participants from all over the country. They would come in and they would be told, they wouldn't be told very much. They'd be told where their tent is, where the training post is, but like, hey, kids, you're on your own. You know, go to the snack bar at eight o'clock and some guy will talk to you. And it'd be Gene Schnell and Gene Schnell would talk to you. And he'd like ask everybody their name and where they were from and ask if anybody did cross country. If anybody did cross country, then he asked about their time. And if he did ask for your time, then he'd say, oh, you work with me, kid. I'll, I'll knock your time down by 10 seconds. And then he would tell everybody that like, hey, you're doing trail crew. So, um, you know, people, well, you got to be respectful. You know, people are looking up to you. You're representing the ranch. You're representing the trail pro- program, you know, the, the behave speech. And then he would always tell you to like, you got to you got to call your mom. Everybody call their mom. And everybody drink water, and then he'd buy you ice cream, and he'd do that for every trail crew participant. I know, right? It's pretty heartbreaking. Oh my god, like I did not know that. He would do that for us, and uh, so he'd be around and he'd help us out. And I remember, like, um, we had this crazy incident at our work site one time, and he came in, like, he <laughs> was one of the guys who swooped in um, for that situation. Um, John Sully definitely like definitely a Jedi master, definitely look up to him. Michael Serio, um, shout out to Zach Harris. He taught me how to use a chainsaw. Shout out to TJ Gwynn. Shout out uh, my Foreman Mormon partner. Um, shout out to Craig Cochran and Zach Hunsberger. Zach Hunsberger, he, we grew up in the same lodge together and we worked at summer camp together. And then I worked at Philmont and I was like, Oh, it's so great. You should come work at Philmont. And then he worked at Philmont <laughs> nice. and then he, we were on the same rotation. So we got to work his first summer. We worked the whole summer together. No way. Um, and that was, that was really funny. So shout out to Zach Hunsberger. Um, oh my gosh. I feel so bad for not shouting out all these other people. Um, the idea when you get paired with your foreman partner is you're supposed to kind of be paired with your foil, um, I remember I would be hanging out with like, shout out to Ted Weary, my party boy, woo, and Jack Chin. Yeah, it was his birthday the other day, Jack Chin, woo. But like, we'd be hanging out and, you know, we couldn't be working all summer together. <laughs> we <would> get done. <laughs> so I would get, I got paired with, uh, with TJ Gwynn and he was working on his way to, um, he wanted to do his mission, Mormon mission. And he was working to go to missionary school. So that was my tent mate for the summer. And, you know, we butted heads, but um, man, TJ and I were pretty close and, uh, we got really close and I definitely think he's a very good influence on me. 
he would always <laughs> i'm trying to think of like the thing he would say to you before oh make good make good choices <laughs> <laughs> those are good names you shouted out a lot of really good people there and i thank you so much for sharing the gene story i didn't know he did that for every oh you gotta do like a whole gene schnell episode i know oh my gosh it wouldn't it'd be just like <laughs> five hours and just be endless i i would love that all right i also wanted to mention this but i think this is also fitting it's like if there was a big giant Venn diagram of Philmont and like my position trail crew or cons or all of that, in no way does that Venn diagram ever interact with Wrangler department. So shout out to the Wrangler department. I feel so bad that I don't know anything about that department, but like the rides look so cool. When I worked in Georgia, one of my staff, the the guy who does the hiring, my boss that he was like, Hey, we hired somebody who came from Philmont. I was like, Oh, sweet. And it was this shout out to Christine Lazina. She was a Wrangler there and she worked. I can't remember her the year she worked, 09 or 2010. But like years that we both would have worked. And we did this like guess who game of like, do you know this person? Do you know this person? And aside from like Mark Anderson or like Barbara Garcia, we had <laughs> no idea of anybody <laughs> or life or social circles at all. And so... Um, I'm so interested in doing a cavalcade or going out for a summer and working as a wrangler and not getting kicked by a horse. And it's just like, that's, that's like a big bucket list item is like, I just really want to learn about that. So shout out to the wrangler department, the ranch department, because like I'm mystified by everything they do. (laughs) I think a lot of people are, but that's actually like very funny that you guys had, no one in com or no yeah Venn diagram person to link you guys because it is like two different worlds probably cons and wranglers, uh, <laughs> or maybe you guys have a ton in common. You you'll have to find out and let us know. I after Philmont, I was like done with backpacking, nuts to carrying around an eighty pound pack or whatever, and I got into trail running. So it's like you're backpacking, but you're not carrying the stuff and you're you can sleep in your bed in the evening and like you're running through the cool places. And so it's like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if Philmont did that? And so like when Philmont did that race this past year, I got yeah. to be on the Zoom calls and help out with that. Um, and I was one of the uh, there was a time where after the reunion or after the volunteer vacation, um, there was a moment where we were all hanging out in the museum and Steve Nelson was by and I remember like pitching, wouldn't it be cool if we did a race? And later on, he like added me into this email. Um, but I got to be on the flag forest with David Birchfield. And I can't remember the name of this the lady who was a former ranger who was helping out for that, but we were on flag force and my girlfriend was there too. And so we got to trail run from Clark's fork flagging the course up along tooth ridge and then down tooth ridge into base. And so which one was that? Cause how many races were like, there were, there were all right. There was the eight miler. Then there was the half <laughs> or then there was the marathon or whatever. Then there was the 50 miler. And yeah, that sounds about right. So which one were you guys on? Well, so the, all the courses except for the eight miler ended up, well, no, not all. The 50-miler and the marathon, David Birchfield's going to kill me. The 50-miler and one other of the races uh, went through <laughs> Clark's Fork and flung through Tooth Ridge. Okay. And then the other race ended up, I think the marath- half marathon ended up looping through from like Crater into Schaefer's Pass, but then along Tooth Ridge. And then the Tooth Ridge Sprint, they went up 
the stockade trail, and then they went down the Tooth Ridge. So um, those flags that we did, all those races saw those. So I guess we were flagging all the races. So you flagged all of them. Well, I only flagged like 12 miles first. <laughs> only flagged still, like 12 miles of them. It was still, cool. Can we back it up a tiny bit? Back in August, 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 Philmont <laughs> at its first trail ultra race. First trail race. But a lot of people in the Facebook group said that it was not the first trail race, that there were other folks who had done a trail race. But I guess in terms of Philmont charging people money, to come out and run on trails. It was the first time. And there was a 50-mile course, a marathon course, a really long half marathon. I got to look this up. Um, And then there was definitely an eight-mile Tooth Ridge run. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. And you were on the Philmont Trail Series Committee that kind of helped kick this off. You got to flag a lot of the trail for the race. And you yourself ran in the race with your girlfriend is that right my girlfriend ran the race i was originally i was supposed to be kind of like this angel of death um one of the people (laughs) who like a uh, you a sweeper i was supposed to sweep the marathon race so like after a while you run behind the marathon people and if you catch up hey buddy your time is up but they needed people to help sweep the uh tooth ridge run And there was no cutoff time for that. So then it turned from this angel of death position to a, come on, folks, you can do it. Climb the mountain. You can do it. We're almost there. And it reminded me of being a foreman. And, you know, you want to talk about like good stories. A lot of my favorite stories are times where not necessarily like I had a really good moment, but seeing somebody else have a really awesome moment. So like, I remember when, um, I remember when Eric cried on top of the Tooth of Time, like um, my first crew I ever took out. It was like sunrise on Tooth, and this tall dude from Mississippi. He's just like gazing into the sunrise, and then like one solemn tear like comes down his cheek. It's like, yeah, I did it. And, <laughs> but then on the trail race, um, when we finally got up over, it was like kind of hanging in the back with these four or five folks. And there was this one lady, Greta, and she had never been to Philmont before. And she didn't really get into running until her husband signed her up for the race. But her husband was a scoutmaster. He had run. He had signed up for like a marathon race. But he signed his wife up for the <laughs> the eight-mile race. So she was kind of on this regimen of like walking and running. and um, But she had never been to Philmont before, had always heard about it, had always heard it from her kids going out there. And when she got on top of Tooth Ridge, and she looked out <laughs> and saw the view. She was like, oh, my gosh. And she I mean, like, I thought she was hurt or something. It was like, I, I don't believe it. And uh, she just had this moment. It was, it was so heartwarming. <laughs> That's awesome. I I didn't even know that was like a position, like a sweeper or angel no, death I, or whatever it you was call like, it. I just made all those titles up. They were looking for volunteers. <laughs> and I'm sure like Austin St. George listened to this is like, this is not, that's not a real thing. <laughs> it's not a real thing. But I was on some Zoom calls and at the reunion, I was like, hey, Steve Nelson, it would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave me a hat. They only gave only like 20 people got a hat or something. And I got a hat. Yeah. No, that's incredible. I remember Dolly when I was interviewing Dolly. She was like, you should come do it. You should come run. And I've never ran like ever. And I was like, I would die. (laughs) And so for your sake, 
glad I didn't go, but I would like to go at some point if they do it again. Um, and I would be more prepared. Oh, um, would have been fine. Would you, was it a success? Do you think Philmont will do it again? Absolutely. They'll Good. do it. And they're, uh, hopefully they're going to be doing a hundred mile race. They always talk about wanting to do one, but we were like, oh, we probably should do a 50 mile run first. <laughs> but yeah, I, the biggest challenge would be you'd have to do the North country to the South country or something and with the way that the whole middle country is burned out. It just kind of makes that challenging. Yeah. So I'm sure there are ways to work around it because the idea is like you do a hundred mile race, you get a belt buckle, which Philmont is primed to do. That's perfect. That's ideal. Um, well, good. I hope they continue doing it and it'd be fun to participate some year in some capacity. And I'm glad you were part of it, part of the committee. Let's talk a little bit more about what you're doing today. What's on the horizon? Like how Philmont led you to where you are? I think wherever I've been, like Philmont has always had some sort of impact, whether I'm wearing the belt at the time or one of my Philmont buddies come wherever I'm living some film, somebody from Philmont is like, oh, hey, I'm moving to Virginia. Or when I was living in Georgia, there were Philmont people nearby. Allison DeFries lived nearby. Zach Harris lived nearby. When I lived in other places, there were there were always Philmont people bopping through. Um, but I definitely wanted to play mandolin way more than after being at Philmont. Uh, I kind of played it at summer camp. But after hanging out with people that were super into music, so I'm part of like an old time band. Nice. All the Gypsy Hill Ramblers. We get paid to play at apple cider gigs and wineries. And, um, you know, we'll bust. You know, we really want it. We opened for, who do we open for? We opened for Ralph Stanley Jr. Ooh. Well, wait, we didn't open for him. We opened for the band <laughs> that opened for him. <laughs> but, you know, we were on the poster. Yeah, that's so awesome. Playing, playing mandolin and, and doing that. If I ever worked at Philmont, it'd be so cool to be like backcountry. So like see if like because I think I'm good enough to be awesome yeah. in the backcountry <laughs> thing. But I also want to be like a roving prospector. But I also want to be like a unit 41. I want to put my hat in for that. Cool. I think I could do it. Yeah. But like mandolin, I think that's a big takeaway. Trail running, that's like a big thing that's important to me. And I, you know, Philmont was just like this piece that you find of like being on the trail, nature all around, like just just being in really cool places. But then also that community too. And so like that's the cool thing with trail running. It's not only like you're your lone wolf running in the woods. There's there's like a community of people of like these oddball people um that are that are goofy and wonderful in the photo you submitted to accompany your episode you are playing an accordion in the backcountry and is that another instrument you play i do that was what i learned during the pan that's what i picked up during the pandemic playing a harmonica with buttons and when i went to the reunion i was like let me bring this ridiculous thing so i would like (laughs) play it in base camp and play it there but then we did a trail project and they it was misleading. They said, I got suckered into that. They were like, oh, we need a lot of people to be on this project. We really need a lot of help. And I was told, too, it was labeled North Fork Uraka Project. So I thought we were going to like the North Fork Uraka stream and it was going to be awesome. We were going to like the old the nail trail, the trail that goes to North Fork Uraka, the old nail trail. And I remember working on that trail. And so <laughs> We were hanging out there all day, but I was like, let me backpack this ridiculous accordion out because it's there's like the idea of just 
carrying ridiculous things. And after a while of like working and shout out to my girlfriend, Carrie, who came, she's like one of these film people who like, she never worked at film never been to film She's like, has always heard about it, but doesn't know. And she came with me to a reunion and she was like, Oh, I get why he's always talking about it. And so she's like trying to have her own experience now. And she, I think she's thinks she's drunk the Kool-Aid after like meeting all the people and seeing how wonderful they are. Yes. But, um, you know, during we were building the trail and after a while I was like, screw this. And I threw my pick down and I opened up my bag and I pulled the accordion out and I started playing and everybody, all these cons people were working and it was like in that scene in Shawshank Redemption where the music comes on and everybody just like looks up at the speaker and it's just classical music and everybody's looking and everybody just stopped working and they were like peeking over each other to like look and hear this accordion music. So I did that for like 30 minutes and that got me out of swing and a pick. So it was funny. <laughs> accordion music is not one you often hear, you know, bouncing off the canyon walls at Philmont. So I'm, gl- <laughs> I'm glad you introduced it. Um can you I sing along it. to an accordion or is oh, it always yeah, just like, you can, okay, I, I brought it out to, I brought it out to volunteer vacation. I don't think they <laughs> appreciated it that much, but like I remember <laughs> backpacking that thing from whistle point to cypher's mind. And I was like, this is stupid. Cause it's gotta be sort of heavy, right? <laughs> it's just very bulky. Yeah. It just like... takes up so much room. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to nominate anyone to be on the show? Oh man, I could throw a dartboard at my Facebook and all those people would be really, really great. But I think if you wanted to have really awesome content, you should speak to Seth Mangini about his stream work in the Bonita stream or whatever. I remember yeah. attending his session at the reunion and he talked about digging up some like 10,000 year old piece of pottery that was like a washed in the stream bed and all the core layers and all the history and just all the work that's being done there. It's so fascinating. Do you have an 11th essential? Oh, you have to bring, you have to bring an instrument, whether I remember like as a foreman hiking around with a ukulele and Tim Culver telling me like, Oh, it's just like a banjo with the drone string or like I've hiked around with a mandolin and been very careful Um, or the accordion or harmonica or (laughs) just anything. I think just, it definitely just lightens the mood and it just makes things so much fun. I think music is so integral to Philmont um, and the Philmont experience. Yes. Um, and any way you can kind of emulate that. Um, yeah. Is, it's, it's good for spirits. Caitlin, thank you so much for everything that you do and giving everybody the opportunity to share their Philmont experience. And please attend a Philmont reunion. I think the ability to reconnect with everybody and just like when I left Philmont, I remember my first summer being away from Philmont and just hearing, getting all the text messages like, wish you were here. And then slowly you don't get those text messages anymore. And then Philmont is just this long distant memory. And then you go out for a reunion and you pinch yourself and you're like, holy poops, this place exists and all these people are still alive. And it's so much fun. And it's just like, why have we fallen out of touch? And so it's just like this way of it's like, just i don't know it's just a way of like reliving this every day that you're never you're never completely gone and like yeah it's never your first summer you never have that first summer experience but like you can keep having film on experiences even when you're in your 70s that's what i learned from those old dudes in volunteer vacation 
I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that was your experience. And it makes me want to go back even more now, like genuinely, because, uh, yeah, who doesn't want to be impacted by Philmont more? So um, all times of the year, there's no bad time to go. Yeah, I'm going to go. OK, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.